0: How was your week? Was it good? Was it productive? Mine was. I've been making a lot of stuff for my Patreon. Uh, I've had a Patreon for a while now. um, It's been super helpful. I started it when my van died. I lived in my van. I lived in a van. And it died, and so I didn't have a car or a home in one fateful afternoon. And the support raised from Patreon was insane. And Patreon is a service where you can... Raise monthly support from fans of creators who, you know, want to help the creator continue to do the thing that they do. And so, like for me, uh, without the support of Patreon, I would not have been able to put out my book last year. With uh, without the support of Patreon, I wouldn't have the audio equipment I need to do this podcast. And right now, without the support from Patreon, I might not be able to pay my bills because. Obviously, all my shows and services got canceled for the spring and already had one camp cancel on me, which is crazy. And who knows what's going to happen to the other ones. And it's a wild time. And so uh, since I can't go anywhere and I can't travel and I can't speak anywhere, uh, I've been making a lot of content for people who support me on Patreon because on Patreon, you can support at different levels. And at each level, there are rewards specific to that level, like a $2, $5, $10 $25, and uh, at each level, you also get all the lower levels, so at like $5, you also get the $2. And I've been making a lot of stuff for Patreon, so that this week, I could kind of like relaunch it, and be like, hey, look at all this, hey, hey, look at all this cool stuff. Hey, you. Hey, you ran out of things to watch. Hey, you finished Tiger King. You need other content. If you support my Patreon, you'll get all sorts of goodies. So that's what I've been Doing. That's been my week. How about you? How was yours? What'd you do? Did you shower? I hope so. Hope you showered at least twice this week. feel like that would make for a good week. Probably spent a lot of time on social media, too. Have you ever seen someone post something on social media that led you to believe that they are not doing okay? Like, you can just tell. Like The post hints that they are struggling or they're going through something and from the post, it even feels like, oh, they might not be talking to anyone else about this, yet they are sharing this little hint of what's really going on. And you you see it and you have no idea what to do. Like, do you reach out? And if you do reach out, what are you supposed to say? And do you only reach out if it's a close friend? Is it too weird if it's someone that you kind of sort of know? Or are you supposed to ignore it? Like, is it a cry for help? Is it am i feeding into the negative like feeding into a negative attention by by saying something what is the right thing to do how do we handle that well that is exactly what we're talking about on this episode of the Taylor Johnson podcast i'm very excited for this conversation i feel like there's a lot of really great stuff especially right now where we're only able to interact with a lot of people through our phones and through social media also i wanted to say please make sure that you listen all the way to the end of the episode because there are instructions on how you could be featured in next week's episode. You could be a part of next week's episode. Listen to the end to find out how. Great episode coming up. The Taylor Johnson Podcast. I am Taylor Johnson. Before we get to anything else, I got to call and check in on my friend Glendon.
1: Hello? Hello. Glenn. What's
2: up, Taylor? How are you doing?
0: I'm doing no, no, all I, right. I'm sorry. What? I'm
2: sorry. Like, how are you really doing?
0: Oh, yikes. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, I made a video for Instagram where, like, it was a joke. haha ha funny of, like, me losing my mind because I'm stuck in my apartment by myself. And one of the things that I said in the video is, like, hey, it's okay, it's all right, even if you forgot what a hug feels like. Uh, But then last night, I started to think about it, and I was like, oh, man, it it has been a long time since I've hugged someone. Oh, my gosh. That's sad. Like,
2: it got sad real quick. But not only that, though, seriously, when was the last time you got a hug?
0: I don't know. (laughs) I went down, I visited my mom, like, before it all went crazy. Did she hug you? I don't know. I don't know if we hugged. I doubt you did. Yeah, I don't know the last time I hugged someone.
2: Dang, <laughs> yeah. that's sad. Yeah, that's yeah. I I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the last time I got a hug. Um, you you got people in your house. I have people in my house, but you like, could be hugging left <laughs> and right. I think I, is a hug. Ha, a hug is like um a hug is a healthy hello right it's like a hey how are you doing let me give you a hug like in passing you're not like hey slow down let me give you a hug
0: (laughs) hey hey hey, slow down there yeah that's (laughs) true if you're stuck in the same house with the same people for weeks at a time there's no, like, a hug is like a reset. Like, okay, it's like I'm not going to see you for a while or I'm seeing you for the first yes. time in a while. Correct. It's not like, yeah, hey, brush your right. teeth. Go, well, I guess you could hug someone before they go to, all right, I'm going to bed. All right, good night. <laughs> we don't do that in my house. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, I'm sure there are families that do that. <laughs> I'm sure they do. And, hey, good on you.
0: You know, like. Do you think after this is over, because uh, it could go either way where, when all this is over, people are going to like go out in public and like be in large groups immediately because we've been so hungry for it. And it's just going to be like masses of people everywhere. Or it could go the other way where like no one, like everyone is weary of being around each other. And it's been so long since like we've been out in large groups. So like, it's weird and like hugging's now weird. That's what like some articles have said, like, after this is over, people will be afraid to hug forever.
2: <laughs> I'm not hugging anybody. Well, you of my weren't family. much of a
0: hugger to begin with.
2: No, but I, 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 t- to be honest, I even think handshakes are gonna be like, hey, you know, like, let's just wave.
0: So you feel like all of this being isolated and washing your hands a million times a day is going to make you more conscious of germs going forward?
2: For me, personally, I think, I think, it, I think it will.
0: See, I, I feel the think, opposite. You do? I feel you you like just
2: f- want to embrace the germs? You just want to get the germs?
0: Yes. When I get permission from the world that I don't have to worry about, a f- uh, about this thing anymore, I'm shaking everyone's hand. I'm, I'm hugging everybody. I'm throwing all the soap out of my house. I'm never washing my hands again. I'm going <laughs> to just embrace everyone because I'm tired of this. Uh, mark this for his funeral.
2: <laughs> mark mark this point. I think I think everybody's idea is, yeah, man, I'm just going to go out with a bunch of people, and I'm going to go to the largest, you know, concert or whatever that's available, and just going to be around people. I I doubt that. I don't think people will. I think I think it's going to hone in on the. The small, the smaller groups of people in your life that you probably would choose to be around or to spend your time with, because you haven't, because those are the people that you spend the most time with, and that you were spending the most time with anyways.
0: So you, this is gonna like cause everyone to kind of focus in on that core group of people that you have. I think so.
2: I mean, wouldn't you want it? Like, who who are the first people you're gonna hang out with? Like your friends. Yeah, you're not going to waste. You're not going to waste an opportunity and, and be like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I could come over to your house with a few other people, but I want to go out here with, uh, you know, to the masses." And I don't journals. know.
0: My, so my friend Isaac gets us into concerts for free all the time, and we'll go to a show where it was like the last show that we went to was so much fun because it was just a large clump of people all like jumping and dancing and pushing each other to the music and like, oh man, I could go for that right now. If I had that, yeah. If people were throwing a birthday party for me the day after this is all over, or I could go to a concert where I can uh, be in a mosh pit. I, th- I think I would pick that one. Someone push me over and a large group of people <laughs> that it's sweaty and smelly because I'm tired of being sweaty and smelly by myself. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I guess I will catch up with you next week as we get one step closer to getting to gather in large groups again or just see the people that you very much want to see.
2: So uh, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Yet yeah, one step closer. We can do this. We, we will this, make man. it. We will. All right, I'll uh, talk to you later, Taylor. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
0: On this episode of the podcast, I am talking to my friend, Michelle Ellis. Michelle has a master's in human service counseling and has worked as a woman's counselor at a shelter for victims of violence, abuse, and trauma. She has been someone who I have talked to over the years, asking for advice and input and the stuff that I've said on vulnerability and how we handle other people's vulnerability. Uh, We had one phone call that was like, she said so many incredible things. I took so many notes and like, I quote her all the time when I train leaders at churches on how we handle vulnerability. I'm pretty sure her and I started talking about vulnerability because of a situation that happened where she reached out to someone that we both know because of something that that person posted on social media. And it turned out that there was a really heavy struggle going on behind the scenes that this post on social media just hinted at. And I know that we've all experienced that where you see someone post something and you just know that there's a lot going on and you don't know, what do I do? Do I respond to this? Do I reach out? Am I supposed to ignore this? How do I handle this? What happens if I do reach out? What in the world? And so I wanted to talk to Michelle about this. How do you do this? How do you set boundaries when you do this? And I feel like this conversation is especially important right now while we are physically isolated. And so I hope you enjoy this. I hope you learn something. I hope it challenges and encourages you. This is my conversation with Michelle Ellis. Have you had people that like you have reached out to them um, because of something that they've posted, and in the conversation that you have, you realize it might not necessarily be as serious as you had originally thought
1: i I'm sure that I probably have um, I can't necessarily think of a particular instance right now off the top of my brain because I tend to remember the the needs that were more valid, I guess. Um, cause if, if I was wrong, I'm like, all right, sorry, carry on, have a good day. Um, you know, but, but even that there, I think for us, sometimes there's that fear of like, not just feeding into this like need for attention, but sometimes like a fear of being wrong or fear of like overstepping our bounds. And again, I would rather, for me, I would, I would rather look foolish or silly or even maybe, like, bother someone a little bit that I checked in on them, and I'm not going to approach them and say, like, hey, I I saw your post, or are you thinking of, you know, and I'm not going to, like, jump to conclusions about it, um, of what they might mean by whatever they posted, but I would still rather check in and just make sure someone's okay and that they're safe and that it's not going to escalate into something worse um, than... To regret not having done something or like maybe even, I don't know, like I would much rather have a person upset with me than a person I care about lose their life because I didn't do something.
0: So wait, when you would reach out, like, are you so you would see something and you would just like, hey, how are you doing? Like, I don't know, like, like. (laughs) like <laughs> do you just go like oh t- t- no reason at all I'm asking just wanted to check in on you bud
1: um well sometimes like i know that so there's that one incident that we're both aware of of a, a mutual friend of ours and using that as an example so i remember for one i'm i'm not very active on social media um, especially this particular platform and I'm, I'm just scrolling through just kind of mindlessly and see a post um, by this mutual friend and you know it's it's been several years since we've been in contact I don't really know what's going on with them and it's, it's not anything blatant but I remember whatever it was that they posted like they were just kind of putting themselves down and so I remember like kind of wanting to scroll past it because I'm like, we haven't talked in so long. And like, it's not, it, it wasn't like a, a huge drastic thing, but I was like, like, no, like I'm sad that they feel that way about themselves. And so like, I, I just commented just something encouraging to them, something uplifting, not to like coddle them, but just to remind them like, Hey, like people see value in you. And like, this is what you have to offer. And whatever whatever it was that I said I don't know um but through that that's where a conversation later started where where they did reveal and they did open up and this is now off of like the public arena this is just this person and I dialoguing and this is where they now revealed that they plan on taking their lives and that's that's where I was able to kind of intervene and be a part of that process and kind of guide them and lead them and steer them back to hope so a lot of times it's not like I try to be casual about it but not like not the kind of casual like oh hi there you know I'm just just sparking conversation just like you would with with anybody like hey you're having a bad day let's talk about it you know or I think we we make it a bigger deal sometimes than we have to like how we go about it but if we just kind of normalize the situation of, like, how would you approach your friend if they were saying, like, man, I'm just a screw up. I can't get anything right. Like, how would you approach that, you know, and just talk to them as a friend and just be normal about it, really?
0: And it was like a small act of kindness that, like, opened the door for some. Like, I I feel like especially with, like, churches and, like, churches that have, like, altar calls and response times we have this mindset of like, we have to do everything in this one conversation. Like, okay, you're going to come down to the front because you've got something going on in your life and like, you're going to tell me what it is and I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff. I'm going to pray for you and that will be the end of that. I've saved you or I've said the perfect thing in those five minutes that has completely changed your life and now we can move on and everything's fine. When really it's like, it is, it. everything takes so much longer than we think it does or want it to a lot of the times and like I I feel like that's a good mindset to have of like if you were to see something that somebody posted you don't have to like message them and be like what childhood trauma is leading you to do this (laughs) right but just like hey just want to let you know like I hope you're having a good day or whatever I was thinking about you today or just like a little thing
1: yeah exactly I think it's sometimes those little things that actually can mean the most to people you know we don't have to make a big show out of it and we don't have to like make a big fuss but just again just normalizing and just encouraging and just showing up for people when they're feeling bad about themselves or they're having a rough day or you know because you you never know you really never know especially on social media like what is happening on the other side of that person's screen and the day that they had or the season that they're walking through or whatever and so just sometimes Sometimes just those little moments of kindness of like, hey, that's that's really that's really tough. I'm I'm sorry you've had that kind of day, but hoping things get better. You know, sometimes that alone creates a safe place for people and not that this is like the formula or like this works every time, but I I've just found sometimes it's just that simple approach that can really do something pretty big in the long run and I would say, for me as well, especially looking at that particular situation, like, I remember being, like, like, hesitating and wondering, like, should I post this and comment on it? Should I not? Like, we haven't talked in a while. You know, but I, I just felt that, like, nagging of, like, like no. Like, I, I really want to. Like, I want to make sure, like, that they're reminded of, of something good and something positive. And for me, I look at that and being someone who comes from the Christian faith like I I believe so much in the power and the importance of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and kind of providing those opportunities and sometimes again it's just those small things like whatever I commented it was it was small it wasn't it wasn't big it wasn't hey are you planning on hurting yourself today but it it opened that door because I felt that kind of urgency to post something and through that, it, it opened a door, and this person seems to be doing well now.
0: And, and you um, giving like, like a, a tiny, small kindness to them and, and reaching out in a little way, like you're, you're kind of signaling to them, hey, I could be someone that you could talk to about this, which is like you're kind of setting yourself up for the possibility of like committing to the process with a person. Who, who does, because I know that like with the specific case that we know about, it wasn't like just one conversation. Like it was over the span of a little while. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that can be daunting to people too. The of like, what am I signing up for if I'm gonna be there for somebody? Because like people take time. And I know that you've even said in your last job that it can be frustrating if like someone takes three steps forward and then they take five steps back and you're like, what? What have you done?
1: Yeah.
0: And I know that, like, that could be, you know, because we want it to just be, like, just one good conversation fixes a person, which it doesn't.
1: Right. And, I mean, the reality is people are, people are messy and people are inconvenient, and that's all of us, like, myself included. I'm messy and I'm inconvenient, you know, and so I think sometimes we just have to kind of remember that. I think a couple things for me is I remember, like, it's not – like the book Boundaries is a, a wonderful book and one phrase that's in there I actually haven't read the book since college um, but I've one never thing read that the I, book never?
0: no but I know that I should
1: you really should yeah it's it's a great one there's a phrase in the book Boundaries that I really love and has been really helpful for, for me and I've talked a, lo- a lot about it with my past residents and even different people that I've mentored and it basically talks about you being responsible to people and not for them, which is why, which basically what it, what it means is I'm responsible to, in that moment with them, to to be available and to be helpful and to point them to resources, but I'm not responsible for the decisions that they make because I can't live anyone's life for them, which in some cases might sound kind of like harsh depending on the how extreme it may be, but it also... It alleviates a lot of pressure, and that's why I feel like if I'm scrolling through social media and I see someone's posting something, I feel responsible to reach out and to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you're going through that, but I hope things get better. Again, just something simple and easy, um, depending on what the post may have been, but I'm also not responsible for being their hope, and I'm not responsible for, being healing to their life because i i can't necessarily do that i can provide a lot of help and i can point them to a lot of resources um and so i think sometimes if people can alleviate themselves from that pressure of like in this one conversation i have to change their mind about everything you know because that's that's not realistic you know so maybe for you it's just pointing them to professional help or pointing them to resources or you know just a lot of times people just need to be heard too is what i found is just giving them that space to talk and process can actually do wonders and it's not in that moment it's not about me fixing them it's not about me changing their mind about anything it's just saying yeah that's that's really hard let's let's keep talking about this you know and kind of those stereotypical counseling questions of like so what does that feel like for you and like how is that making you feel right now you know, those, those types of things, because it's, it's about them processing through, and that can be such a moment of healing for people to just get it out of their systems, because so many times they're just holding on to it, and it's just festering and bubbling and bubbling and bubbling to where they just feel like they're about to explode almost.
0: Oh, I want to, okay, talking about, like, boundaries, mm-hmm. I feel like that is very difficult for me. The okay. responsible to, but not responsible for... Because, like, I mean, with somebody, like, with it being a process and you being there with somebody, and they take like, oh, progress, it looks so great, and then they take like three hundred steps back, it's very difficult not to be like, this reflects bad on me. Like, you were a bad friend, you did not help them as much as you should have, and two, because I know that we've talked about this before. I do not. I genuinely do not know what I would do if certain friends in my life committed suicide. Like,
1: yeah. that
0: would, like, destroy me. Like, I, I, I can't even wrap my head around how... I don't know. Like, that would, like, destroy everything. Like, I, it would just yeah. really freak me out on so right. many levels.
1: Yeah. And that, you know, I'm, I'm grateful... I have not had to experience that personally. So, so yeah, that's definitely something that I, I don't know how I would handle that, especially if I was a part of the process of trying to steer them towards hope and healing whatever that looked like in their, their lives. So that that's definitely a hard one to answer, and it's, it's something that I— it sounds so, like, morbid, maybe, but it's something that I, I do process through when I can and think about, because you just never know. Like, it, it very much could happen, and I'm so grateful it hasn't, and I really pray and hope that it's not anything I ever have to experience. But I think—so with that, it's—I don't know how I would react to this phrase that I think is— for the saying from this book that I think is so wonderful about responsible to not for if I ever had to experience the loss of one of my friends from suicide but I think for for me especially it's, it's something I've I've just internally I don't know at what point it was before my job at the shelter it's been a, a long time where I've just released myself from that pressure and I don't I don't know the turning point I don't know what sparked it but but it it comes down to that for me where I can't live someone's life and I don't necessarily look at it as a poor reflection of me and a poor reflection of my ability to help them because like I know like for instance when I was working at the shelter when i was in my sessions and sometimes even outside of that when they would come to me and knock on the door and just want to talk and they'd cry or we'd pray or whatever it was um, like i would give everything i had in that moment and i know what I, the the practices that i had with them the conversations i mean it was it was sound and it was good and it was useful and helpful and plus i know I, I saw time and time again how how God provided insight or gave words or different things that wasn't from me but was a part of our sessions. but there were still those times when they would step back, you know, and that's to me, I don't look at that as like, well, I messed up or man, I could have I could have done better because i I know in those moments I was responsible to them of I'm gonna give you everything I have for what you're presenting in front of me right now what you choose to do with that when you leave here you know that's that's ultimately up to you and I don't know I don't know how to necessarily explain it but I I I just really let go of that pressure of putting that on
0: yeah I feel like it's got to be that confidence in that you have done what you're supposed to do I guess, like understanding what exactly you're like, I'm responsible to this person and like understanding what that means and to really do it and really go all out for what you do have control over so that you're confident that you did what you're supposed to do. Because I feel like that would be the thing that would be like if I did lose someone or, or something happened that it would I would just be so like consumed with what else could i have done what else what didn't i do that i should have done but like i guess if you do understand what you can do and what you and and you are doing it you're committing to it then then you don't have to worry about it as much but then like yeah are most of us really doing everything that we could be doing
1: reality is too that people learn differently. You know, sometimes people have to learn the hard way and they have to experience things for themselves. So I may be trying to guide them and steer them and bring awareness to kind of the path of least resistance. But some people, they're just wired of like, well, no, I gotta, I gotta see for myself, you know, like, like, why should I trust you, (laughs) you know, on this? And so... Even that is a way that I've let go of that control of just trusting them in their own process of, okay, you might need to take three steps back, but in that, you know, it starts to bring clarity to them sometimes, you know, and it starts to kind of shape them and mold them in a way that maybe I couldn't have, despite doing everything I could have done in that moment sometimes that experience going along with it that's where they're like oh there is truth to this principle or you know this thing that we talked about and that's where they might start to to shift you know and with my time especially as a counselor like there's just something to be said about walking through things with people and that longevity with it because again people are messy and they're inconvenient and they have their ups and downs just like I have my ups and downs and to have that patience with them of like okay let's we're back at square one but we're gonna keep moving ahead
0: um continuing on the idea of boundaries because I feel like when you when you do reach out to somebody and you let them know like hey I am someone I am a safe person to talk to like there I feel like another reason that people would be afraid to take that step even is like the risk of it being abused and like being overused to like where, like, you become so drained by this person needing you all the time? And, like, because I know that we have, I feel like we've talked about that before, too, of, like, setting boundaries with the people that you are wanting to be there for. Like, do do you actively set those boundaries in your own life?
1: Yeah, I do. And sometimes it's harder than others to do that, just depending on what the situation is. You know, if it's if it's a matter of life and death, you know, you you step in and you do what you can to to be there for someone. You know, when it's a crisis or an emergency, like that does require a different level of care. But that's something that I've had to really learn through the years, and it's still it's still something that I'm growing in and trying to find ways to practice it better because I. I love to serve, and I love to care for people, and so there was a time when, like, I would get burnt out because I didn't have boundaries. If you needed me, I was there, you know, and I I didn't necessarily recognize the difference between, like, oh, this person's having a bad day, they want to talk, and oh, this person is having a crisis. Um, So one thing that I've, I've just learned to really try to be aware of what my energy level is and how much I have to give in different scenarios in different cases. And so like if I know like I don't have enough to give you, you're not going to get the best of me. If the situation allows for it if it's not like a crisis, you know, I, I try to still be very intentional like, "Hey, I I can't tonight." I don't necessarily go into the reasons why like I don't I don't need to go into that, but I'll just say like, "Hey, I can't tonight but hey what about tomorrow night you know this time I can meet you and I try to be really clear and intentional so they don't feel that I'm just like brushing them off or I'm just saying like no I'm abandoning you now because I can't tonight you know I think showing that intention of like I may not be able to right now but I want to set up this time does that work for you you know that still shows like there's still safety there's still care there so that's that's kind of the big thing that I try to be intentional on is if I if I know that I can't and that I need to maintain that boundary, I try to be really clear and intentional and like, let's do this this day, this time. Does that work? And I think in that that's important because it teaches other people healthy boundaries as well when you're modeling that. Like I I mentor some younger younger adults and so In that if I'm doing that hopefully they're starting to see like okay I don't have to say yes to everything you know there's a healthy way for me to say no Um, not that everyone always takes it well but you know people learn as they learn and even for me it it teaches me like if someone says no to me it just reminds me like hey I've had to say no to people you know so it, it teaches me other people's boundaries and respecting other people's boundaries too
0: um I want to end on this, another thing that you said to me on that phone call that you said a million really smart things. You were talking about how, like, you go through your um, undergraduate classes, you read all these textbooks, you learn all this stuff, you go through your master's program. You read about all these, you know issues and problems and all these things that people are going to go through, and then you start working at this job and you start seeing people and experiencing what it's like to work with them. And you said, this is the quote that I say to everybody all the time, oh, people aren't textbooks. That like every single person is different and it's not like a book will tell you, you do this, you do this, you do this, and then it works every single time. And like, oh man, that has been so helpful to use in in trying to help other people because I feel like especially dudes, especially guys, like the default setting is tough love and like every conversation on every issue it's just suck it up be a man and like when you're a hammer everything's a nail and so like that but like people aren't textbooks so like oh sometimes you need to just listen and sometimes you need to speak up and sometimes you need to be full of grace and then sometimes you need to slap someone and say stop it what are you doing but like every conversation and every person is different. And it like, it takes the Holy Spirit and it takes wisdom to know when it's this and when it's that, like, I don't want anyone to hear this conversation and to think like what Michelle said, I will have to do in every conversation, every single time. Like, no, like (laughs) everybody, and you said like people learn differently and like being okay with the mystery that like, just because you help this person the next person that you're there for could be totally different, even if they're struggling with the same issue.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, yes, definitely don't take what I say as the end-all, be-all for every situation, for sure. <laughs> These are just very, like, generalized things I've learned. But that's that's definitely still something I say all the time is that people aren't textbooks, Um I don't know if I had said this to you then, but a lot of times I'll say like people aren't textbooks, they're puzzles because like there's so many pieces to factor in. Dang,
0: that's so good. Thanks. Put (laughs) it on a t-shirt.
1: Hey, um, but, but yeah, there's, there's so many pieces and so much to factor in, which I'm a bit of a nerd and I love puzzles, which is part of why like I love helping people is because people are puzzles and, and I, I I want to help you and so to start piecing the all of the pieces together to see how they can be their best self and a whole self um, is an exciting although sometimes hard process to be a part of but, but yeah I mean I've I've had friends or residents or whoever I mean I've I've seen a lot of the same stuff whether it's anxiety or depression or eating disorders or bipolar or even sometimes schizophrenics like but all of that like obviously the textbooks and the education it's, it's all helpful but but you have to cater to that specific person because what what's helped one person isn't going to help the next and that's okay but how can you adjust that and how can how can you meet them where they are in that moment and really point them to hope and again the biggest piece for me is is the Holy Spirit. Like that to me is, is so essential in this because he gives wisdom and he gives insight and he he provides what I can't um for sure. Cause education and experience, it's all great and really valuable, and I definitely need that in the line of work that I'm in. Um but definitely the biggest piece and i've seen it time and time again is the holy spirit guiding and he's the one ultimately that changes lives and heals lives that's something i cannot do i can provide tools and resources um but for true lifelong lasting change that has to be done through the holy spirit
0: great beautiful that's great you did so good
1: Thank you. You did great interviewing.
0: Ugh, it got better towards the end there. <laughs> do you think do you think people I don't know if this is true or not. Do oh you boy. think people will be able to tell that we are ex-boyfriend and girlfriend?
1: I have no idea. <laughs>
0: Cuz I thought about that like earlier today like I wonder if the way that we talk to each other like you can tell like Oh there used to be a familiarity but like now there is not as much anymore and like there is like clearer bound I don't know I don't know I don't know I would I thought about that I wonder if people will listen to this and be like what the heck these people use used to date
1: <laughs> I I don't know I mean I don't think I necessarily thought of it so much on that end if like people will No cuz I mean we also like
0: <laughs> What do you mean <laughs> you, you 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 um you, uh, emphasize the word people as if like animals are going to like, I don't know if people will, oh. <laughs> and then like, Oh, like a beaver is going to hear this and be like, Hey, they used to date.
1: No, 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 no. I don't know why I emphasized that. No, I, I don't. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think of, no, I don't know how to not emphasize people. I'm like self-conscious about it. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think that because I mean, you have you're, you're going to have, like, tons of people on the show, you know, that you're friends with, that you talk to, you know? And so there's that also, like, most people weren't, I mean, we weren't even really around each other when yeah. we dated, you know, because we a long distance. But I didn't know if you were going to start things out by being like, hey, by the way, guys, funny story. <laughs> this is how I know this person. <laughs> That's what I didn't know. If you were going to do.
0: I was not going to do that. Can I do it at the end? You, you can say no. You can be like, don't do that. But I thought it would be funny if like, and now that it's over, we used to date. Okay, moving on.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, it it doesn't bother me. It doesn't. We did. Okay. So.
0: All right. Great. So, on my Patreon, uh, one of the things that you can get at $2 a month, I'm releasing monthly movie commentary tracks. It's audio that you could sync up with Netflix with different movies I'll release. Like, here's the commentary track for Indiana Jones. And so, you press play on Netflix for Indiana Jones, you press play on the audio at the same time, and it's me talking through the movie as you watch it and like making jokes and making comments and making fun of different trivia I found online. At $5 a month, it's weekly bonus videos uh, with like different series that I'm going to do. I'm going to do a series of videos on jokes that I don't tell at churches. They're not like R-rated or super offensive. They're just like jokes that I've tried to tell at churches and they don't go that well. Uh, but when I tell them to young adult groups or at events that are not church related, they go a lot better. And so they're kind of like my my secret comedy bits that I don't get to share with a lot of people. And I will share with you if you support my Patreon. Also, I'm gonna do a series of videos on how to tell a story. It's like a behind the scenes look at like how I write and perform my material for anybody who wants to get better at any form of public speaking, whether it's stand up or preaching or your motivational speaker, whatever it may be, or if you just kinda wanna learn how to tell better stories so you can make your friends laugh. Uh, that is available at $5 a month. And then at $5, you also get the movie commentaries. There's a bunch of other stuff too. I don't know why I'm telling you this all right now. Look, it's great. It's on the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Taylor Johnson, and you can learn all about it. But now I asked Instagram if they had any questions for my mom, and they did, and they were wild. And so I sat down and did a Q&A with my mom, Gina Johnson. She was on last week, but for the serious part. And now just for a lighthearted ending, here is the QA and a with my mom. I am here again with my mother. Hello, mom. Hi, Taylor. Uh, I have asked Instagram for questions to ask you since everyone uh, loves you so much. And um, OK, here's some questions from the Internet. Some of these are just insults to me. <laughs> um, l- let's see. Uh, Chelsea asked, uh, how'd you get into CrossFit?
3: So seven and a half years ago, uh, my doctor was asking me about the type of exercise that I was doing. And I mentioned walking three miles three times a week with a friend. And he said, well, that's cardio. What are you doing for bone strength? And he said, you know, what are you doing for weight bearing exercises that would build your bone strength? And I said, lifting my fork up from my plate to my mouth. And he said, no, no, it needs to be something with weights. And so there was a Groupon for a CrossFit gym nearby. And I went and then they almost killed me because I wasn't used to doing such things. I am totally not athletic. But now seven and a half years later, they've geared it down to me and I love it.
0: Oh, um, what is your weirdest dating story? Can you think of a dating story that's weird that you are able to share? <laughs> You're making a face.
3: Oh, boy. <laughs> um, oh, let me think about that. Okay. Okay, all right. All right, here's one. So our youth would go on a float trip every year.
0: When you were how old?
3: Um, youth um, 13 to 18. Okay. And so I remember flirting with this guy. Somewhere where I met him in a restaurant or something and told him he should come along on this youth trip. Wait, yeah. wait,
0: wait, wait, what? Oh, was, was You a- were you went to a restaurant and you just started flirting with a boy?
3: Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> I, was, I was really good at flirting. Oh, wow. That was okay. one of my strengths. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it was just a... What was
0: flirting to you? Just joking around or oh, getting- batting your eyes or...
3: Being friendly and getting that boy to want to get to know me better and ask me <laughs> out on a date. Okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, we we would go down to...
0: Wait, uh, what? Like, are you at a restaurant with your family and he's the server? No. Or you're with friends and he's just
3: also at the restaurant? Yeah, probably friends and he's at the restaurant okay, and okay. meeting him. So... Our float trip would just be, we would drive three hours down to uh, Current River in Van Buren, Missouri. And then, you know, the youth would drive back. So it was just a day trip. Yeah. But, you know, oh, I just thought this guy was so great. And then as the day went on, I didn't like him as well. (laughs) So then he kind of went flirting off with another girl and I was grateful to get rid of him. So. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um, Can you also tell, uh, it's not really a story. Just when I was a kid, I was just always loved the story of uh you had a crush on ronnie floyd
3: ronnie floyd (laughs) yeah which is
0: such a nerdy name (laughs) it doesn't sound like a name that you go oh ronnie floyd
3: ronnie floyd was (laughs) the cutest boy and probably when i was in seventh grade i liked him so much and so many other girls did too but so when i turned 13 my friend threw me a surprise birthday party, and of course, Ronnie Floyd was there. But then when my friend Kathy turned 13, like three weeks later, her parents took us all to see a movie at the movie theater, and Ronnie Floyd was sitting between Kathy and I, and we found out later that he was holding hands with both of us. I remember wow. me being thrilled that I was holding hands with Ronnie Floyd during this movie, but then I found out he was holding hands with Kathy on the other side. Ronnie like, oh, Floyd. Ronnie Floyd. I'd like to see him now just to see what he looks like.
0: <laughs> I've tried to look up. There's a surprising amount of Ronnie Floyds out there in the world.
3: Well, you have to find that he was a, been associated with First Baptist Church of St. John. So. Okay.
0: Well, face, er, listeners, do your thing. Yes. Um, what trait did Taylor carry over from childhood into adulthood? I feel I don't know if that's an easy question to answer.
3: A trait that you carried over... Oh, that you like to make people laugh. I mean, you like to make, to make people laugh when you were in elementary school. So that is a trait you've continued on.
0: Mel wants to know, is CrossFit as scary as it seems? People look jacked, but at what cost?
3: The CrossFit gym that I go to, we don't do any of those crazy things like turn over a tractor tire and things like that. You know, we're doing, what I like about CrossFit is there's a lot of variety. There's cardio where we're where we are running or rowing, uh, stationary bicycle, jumping rope, or there's weightlifting there. We're doing power cleans and overhead squats and things like that. So I love the variety to it, but I also like how they have geared it down to me because I started off there as a 54 year old woman who had never been athletic.
0: Were you the oldest person
3: in there? No, not initially, but I am now. Because you killed the other ladies. The others others have, you know, fallen away. But yes, so I'm the the oldest one in there, so they also know that I'm going to do it my way.
0: Heather wants to know, which child do you love more and why? (laughs) Now, this is my sister.
3: (laughs) I love my children equally. There are no favorites in my life.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Jill wants to
3: know, most embarrassing baby
0: Taylor story?
3: Oh, your dad would tell this story because it had to happen when I was gone. You were nine months old because you had to be able to stand up in your bed. And you had a very poopy diaper and you reached in and treated it like Finger paint. Oh, you put the poop on the bed, you smeared it on the wall. Your poor dad walked in, and there is a poop covered child and a poop covered wall, and he had to clean you up and the room as well. Someone asked, Can I
0: marry your son? Now, I think this is a student, so that's creepy. So, no, you can't. You can't do that.
3: They have to come talk to me first.
0: Uh, what? They don't need your blessing. I'm not a lady.
3: I think they should talk to the mother.
0: But I also feel like you the moment you find out I'm dating someone, you're going to be like, "Oh thank God. Oh thank God. You're engaged. Oh thank God. Oh no. goodness. I don't no. care. She just got out of prison. Good. <laughs> Great. She has no. structure in her life. I She's w- disciplined.
3: I was happily married for 31 years. I want everyone to experience happily marriedness. And that's why I'm not concerned that you're 30 and not married. (laughs) I want you find the right person and get it right. And that's more important than anything. Uh,
0: Nathan wants to know, did you give Taylor his humor?
3: No, I think you really got that from your dad. Your dad had a very quick wit and he... um, I feel like I get storytelling
0: from you, though. Because when you what, tell a story, you tell it the exact same way every single time. And I do that, too. Like, once I find the way that I tell it, I'm going to tell it that way forever.
3: OK, so, yes, I can see where you would get that from me. But the quick, you know, repartee, I think you get that, you know, being able to think on your feet. And as a stand-up comedian, you have to be able to do that. So I think you got that from your dad.
0: Um, Danny Barrera also wants to know. What's your favorite way to practice self-care? Do you know that term?
3: Yes, I do. Oh, I'm much into self-care. Massages. I get a massage every single month because I sit at a desk and your shoulders get really tight. And then with CrossFit, you know, some of the weightlifting, I'm sure I don't have the best position sometimes. So a massage to me is absolutely necessary self-care.
0: Well, great. Thank you so much for answering these questions, mom. You're welcome. Uh, Goodbye. Hey, next week, I want to do something a little bit different. Instead of an interview with one person, I want to hear from you. I want to hear how you're doing, how you've been handling what's been going on in the world the last couple of weeks. How are you staying sane? If you have any encouragement for me, because I am trapped in my apartment by myself, you want to give me a pet talk, whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to use your phone, use the voice memo app to record a message. Don't make it super long. Don't record an hour. Don't do that to me. But either tell me a story of how you've been handling it, what's been going on, or just send a pep talk to me and the rest of the people who are trapped in their homes by themselves. And that is going to be in next week's episode of the podcast. So record it on your phone and then email that to taylor at taylorjohnsononline.com. Use the subject line isolated so that I know what it is. Uh, subject line isolated, Taylor at TaylorJohnsonOnline.com. Voice memo, how are you doing? Or give me a pep talk, either one, and you could be on next week's episode of the podcast. I want to thank Michelle Ellis and my mom and Glendon for all being on this episode. Thank you for listening. Hey, please, for real, check out my Patreon. There's a bunch of cool stuff that's going to come out here really soon. Uh, look at the different levels, the different rewards that are available anything, any level of support that you can do would help me out so much right now. Go check it out. Sign up today. I want to thank Lucky Star and Jordan Combs for the use of their songs in the episode. And that's it. That is the end of the episode. It's over. Go check on someone. Check out my Patreon and send me a voice memo. I will see you next time.